Good morning. That was not real good at all. Good morning. All right, so we're going to get started this morning for our Sunday school hour. Um, and what, let, let me explain kind of the purpose of this. Um, so our, our church, as many of you know, uh, is very mission-minded. Um, and so we, we all have a responsibility um, for ministry. And we have a responsibility in missions, whether that's our next-door neighbor or our local uh, area, uh, internationally. Uh, so that's, that's the whole point of this. We want to um, really focus multi-generationally, if that's a word, Dr. Hughley, I'm not sure if it is, but we want to focus on that and coming together, walking alongside each other um, to work for the Lord. Okay, so that's what we're going to do this morning. Uh, we'll have some time for some questions. Uh, we'll have some time for um, conversation. That's what, the, the, what we're going to do this morning is has, have a conversation. Um, so we've got some panelists, and I'll ask those to come up uh, at this time, and that would be Thad and Andrea and Eddie and Melinda. And we will, what we'll do... Uh, is we're gonna we're gonna get into their minds around uh, around missions and uh, just simply talk about that. Um, are y'all comfortable? Okay, okay. Well, as you see, we have uh, it's there's a lot of youth up here up here, uh, so I'm sure they'll be pretty lively. I know Thad in particular, right? Lively. Oh, yeah, lively. Lively. Yeah. So uh, what we're going to do um, is I've got some questions for, uh, for Thad, uh, Eddie, Melinda, and Andrea. And, and just to set the stage, as we ask these questions, uh, if, if something pops in your mind uh, and somebody else wants to talk about it, uh, feel free to do so. Sound good? Okay, so uh, Thad, uh, first question's for you, and uh, maybe not everybody knows, but uh, many know that you don't like to fly. You hate it, right? Not a fan. Yeah, so yet yeah, you have, you just got back from London, from Great Britain, which requires a flight over the big pond, and so what what would trigger you to get on a plane when you hate flying? You've been on several. So what would trigger that? What's the, what's the big idea behind that? You got a microphone in your hand, too, so you know. Yeah, I know. Getting my thoughts together. So the first time that I went on a mission trip was um, where I had to fly was 1992. Um, I was 27 years old. We were living in Green, New York. I had a pastor, Phil Stam, who was very missions-minded, spent time on the mission field in Belize, and uh, told me I was there a year, and he said, you're going on a mission trip next March to Belize. And I was like, well, all right. Um, and so I think probably my first experience flying, it was just like uh, no choice. I had no choice in the matter. Um, but I was scared to death because I hate to fly. And I, th I, and I realized over the years, Kevin, just to be honest with everybody, it's a control thing. 
right? That's just the truth. I mean, I'm not in control. You know, when I'm driving, I feel like I'm in control. Um, But I wasn't in control of that. And so I had to release that. And still over the years, as many times as I've been uh, on planes, I still have the fear, right? I mean, there's times I really want to interview the pilot, but um, (laughs) it's crossed my mind. But in terms of like it stopping me from going on a trip, you know, I would say the first time I was scared to death, but... Uh, I tell you, we flew um, from. We went to New Orleans, and we took a flight from New Orleans to Belize City. And uh, the name of the airline was Taka Airline. Well, the uh, initials there stood for Take a Chance Airline. <laughs> so, so right. I mean, that first one was memorable, but um, but yeah, I mean, the fear of flying. Is real, I think, for some people. But it's certainly, uh, over the years, the Lord's helped me along with that. So, yeah. Awesome. Good. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, we'll go to Andrea. Andrea, you pretty much grew up in this church. Um, you uh, have had involvement uh, in missions. Uh, so can you... Can you talk about the opportunities, uh, maybe from uh, a younger age um, to today, you know, in the gap in between of, of uh, missionary oppor- mission opportunities? Sure. Um, I didn't go on my first mission trip till 2011, but when I was a youth at Springville Road Community Church, and I don't know how we got involved with a group called Target Teams, but they would take groups of people going on mission trips And they would go up to this camp in uh, Haleyville, Alabama, and they would train them. They would would basically just not live off the land, but they would do a lot of hard work to prepare. Because I think they went and did a lot of uh, building, a lot of uh, helping peoples. So um, I got involved going and cooking for them. And I was very satisfied with that. I was like, you know, I'm praying for these people. I'm helping get them ready. I was never, I never felt like I needed to go on a mission trip. And uh, it wasn't until 2011 that the Lord pressed my heart and used David Nichols, who wouldn't let up on me going. So, <laughs> but, but, you know, the Lord uses that too. So um, when I started coming to Spring Road Community Church, I mean, missions was always at the forefront. I learned about lots of missionaries that we still have today, um, was interested in what they did and um, I eventually went and just, I've done two types of trips. I did a, where you go and you work and you help the people. And then I went on one where I just went and visited some of our missionaries and got to see their ministry firsthand on like more lower key. So, um, Springville Road was really how I got started. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, she, uh, Melinda, she mentioned, uh, David Nichols, uh, who is, who you know very well. Um, so you and David have been involved in missions uh, for over 45 years, which is just fantastic. Um, obviously, there's others in the church with that same testimony as well, but just why, why is that? What's the premise behind that? Uh, I, I was raised 
<clears throat> in a church that was dead, didn't preach the gospel or anything, and we just went to church. We honored God. But then my father was saved, and then the whole family was saved, and we started going to a Bible-preaching, teaching church. And everybody brought their Bible and actually read it and studied it, and, oh, wow, it's amazing. And one, the last thing Jesus said to his people was to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all people. So, I, you know, I, missions was forefront in that church. And so um, we got to meet real live missionaries, and they were like the rock stars of our church. I mean, everybody was so excited to meet missionaries that went to foreign fields and lived there for years at a time. And uh, my mother always hosted uh, some in, their, in her home for um, meals, so I got to talk to missionaries, you know, on a, a personal level. And then when David and I got married, we had the missions conference at church. And so uh, as soon as they got through talking, David would run up and start a conversation. And so that was really, um, uh, for many people, um, a mission trip is the first introduction and to getting really involved in missions. But like Andrea said, for years, I did not. David went on mission trips many times for years before I did. I, I did not go on mission trips, but I was fully committed to missions. I, I prayed for these people. We had regular prayer meetings just for missionaries. And so I prayed every time, you know, the doors were open, I went there and we were praying for the missionaries. We supported them. We wrote to them. We read their newsletters and, and, um, uh, it was just um, a friendship. We got to know missionaries. So what got us involved in missions was, was, was not mission trips to begin with. It was being involved in the missionaries' lives. So you hit on something pretty important there. So a supplemental question. Would you agree, question, would you agree that whether you are um, in your home or whether you're in Australia or Japan, or wherever, would you agree that God sees um, anyone differently in the aspect of missions? That was one of the things that we were so excited about at that, that church that I was raised in after we all got saved. We were all so excited that we had the privilege of being a part of missions. We may never leave our hometown, but we were just as vital to the mission program as the missionary that went. And that was always stressed, and that was always exciting to us. And honestly, it, um, it also obligated us, and it made us accountable, um, Steve Saint said something one time that I've never forgotten. He says, think family. And so they became our family. They were our extended family. And you would not stop thinking about your family if they're out there somewhere. You would always be thinking of them and thinking about their needs and remembering to pray for them. And, and so that's what it was like in our church. The, the missionaries became our family, and, they, and we were privileged to be a part of that. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Eddie, are you comfortable now? I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Next one's for you. Um, <clears throat> so many of us know, most people here know, that uh, Springville Road Community Church merged with Deerfoot Community Bible Church five or six years ago, um, and we became Grace Community Church at Deerfoot. Um, what many may not know is that you, along with other uh, elders, uh, had, had some work to do behind the scenes, make sure that the churches were compatible, 
um, if you will, um, in doctrine, in vision, and in the core values, uh, which is why we're here today um, focusing on missions, being one of the core values of, of the church. Um, so we want to thank you for that, um, and, and we're glad to be able to worship as one body uh, corporately. But my question is, was there ever a problem trying to merge the, uh, the two churches um, as it relates to uh, missions, missions work, um, and, and if so, why? Well, I, I appreciate and I thought it was a, a privilege to be able to work with others in uh, developing the merger. Uh, we felt like that's what God wanted. <clears throat> and uh, the Springboro Road leadership did as well. So we sat together, went through, like he said, doctrine, uh, goals, um, pillars of what we believe the church was and should be. And uh, I know that churches very rarely merge successfully. Usually it's the opposite. They split, sometimes on very little things. And I know that some churches um, have very, very different visions of what missions is. Some is just giving to the church and they take a fraction of their giving to go to a mission group and that's it. And it's been interesting uh, also in speaking with people in our new members class here, some of them find it a completely foreign idea that you can have a relationship with a missionary. And they're excited about it, just like Melinda was saying. When you have that interaction with them, that stimulates you. But the, the only problem with the merger in missions was that there was no problem at all. <laughs> it was mentioned that we would like to keep all of our missionaries and join them with yours. And it was like the answer, well, well of course. Uh, the, there was an equal desire to support missions to, with an understanding that that's what God wanted us to do, to be focused on missions as part of his um, commands to us. And that's where we laid the blame was on the Lord. He wanted us to do it. We had a vision and a desire. We loved hearing from our missionaries, as Melinda said. So there really was no problem. Um, you know, Springville Road had the same vision that we did and the same desire to support as many missionaries as the Lord provided for. And it's always amazed me at how many that's been for a smaller group as we were and as we are now. So would you say that short-term mission trips um, and involvement in those are somewhat of a lifeblood of, of a healthy missions-minded uh, church or program? You know, do you agree with that? Sure. I think it's like lighting the fuse on a firecracker. Mm -hmm. uh, when you go on a mission trip, your fuse will be lit. And if you go through with it, uh, you're going to explode in that dimension um, in ways that you might not, not ever have thought of. You're developing relationships with missionaries, and you're appreciating what the Lord is doing uh, through them and that he wants the same thing with you, whether it's in a foreign field or at home. Um, whether you're speaking with your neighbors or your coworkers or just people you encounter out in the world uh, about the Lord and how important that is, that's what our missionaries are doing as well. 
they're out there just as we should be uh, demonstrating the compassion of Christ. If you read through the Gospels, so many times it speaks of he had compassion on them. And that's how we're supposed to be. We're designed, we're, we're made such that he has good works already laid out for us. We just have to step forward and do it. It's that action, all about the action. Uh, thank you for sharing that, Eddie. That's a valuable uh, insight in uh, history. So, Thad, um, why do you feel missions must be that core value, um, that foundation of a local church? And, and in response to that, what do you think keeps a believer from serving in a missions capacity or a local ministry or even going on a, um, a missions trip? Well, um, biblically, uh, it's mandated. I mean, it's not an option. Um, Scripture's clear from Matthew 28. I think 16 through 20 is really important to understand, not just 19 and 20, because the Lord told them where to meet. But then it says that some were, while they were worshiping, it says the 11, within the 11, some were doubting. So, you know, when we think about Thomas, we think about the doubter, right? But it's more than just Thomas. And I think that's important to understand in the context in light of what the Lord's about to tell them. Because he goes from, we go from in the text where some were doubting to how do you handle doubt, right? I mean, that's a very big issue for those guys. And obviously the Lord knew that some were doubting, Um and so um, this week I was looking through that. I'm like, man, that's a big deal. And how do you handle doubt within the life of a believer? And the answer is the Word. Uh, the Word is what, right, helps us through doubt. Well, who's helping the 11? The Word. Who's the Word? Christ. And so he put, gives them a piece and he says, like, hey, look, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So that whole sequence is important, from doubt to releasing that through what he said in, in that uh, all authority have been given to him in heaven and on earth. Well, hey, that if you're one of those guys, you're going, well, all righty. I mean, not only does he have heaven, I mean, not only does he have authority in heaven, but he's got it on earth. And then he tells them, go. So I love the way that order works out there because I think that for us, as believers, you know, we have the fear at times, and we might even have doubts at times, however those might look, but the Lord's got that. So um, in answer to your first question, it's mandated, and he expands on that in um, just a little while later with, with the disciples from um, Acts chapter 1. And he kind of defines it, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. Um, and I think just to kind of piggyback on what you asked Melinda, I think it's very important to know that you don't have to go to a foreign field to be involved in missions. I mean, he defined it for those guys right there. He says it starts in your Jerusalem, right? And, and I think that's what's... I think there has to be a balance in that, Kevin. Uh, I, that's the thing that for me, um, over the years, I've seen kind of... Um, take a turn, I think, now. I think there's a little more concern now with the Jerusalem, and that's good. 
Um, but there's a balance and all that. And then to answer your second question, I think just fear. You know, people are, you know, I don't know if I'm the person to go here. I don't I mean, what do I really have to offer? Um, from what I can read from the scriptures, he's just looking for willing, clean vessels. I mean, right? That just... So I think both, and both of those are important, willingness and, and being clean. And if I'm clean before the Lord and I'm saying, hey, Lord, whatever it is you want me to do, I'm willing to do, then God's going to send you places that you're like, man, how'd I end up here? And it's just that willingness. I remember, real short story, I remember sitting on the front porch of the administration building in the mid-80s when I was at Southeastern Bible College, and from the, from the uh, front porch, you could see as far as Interstate uh, 5920 in the wintertime. And um, I used to sit there and think, man, Lord, which way are you sending me? Right? They're trying to fix that mess downtown right now. But which way, Lord, are you going to send me? And I remember making a decision when I was 21 years old to say, Lord, wherever it is you want to send me, I'm willing to go. So I think sometimes people are thinking, well, that's just for the professional. But no, it's not. The, the call to missions is for every single person. And the great part is, and I'll leave you with this thought, is that you're not alone. And that's what he told them uh, in Acts chapter 1. You're not alone. The Spirit of God lives in you and uh, if you're a believer, and, and he's going with you. And so you don't have to have to go, well, I'm by myself. No, you're not. The Spirit of God's with you. So, Yeah, just a pity. Piggyback on that a little bit. Um, I think that's right. The biggest issue is probably fear. And I don't think most of it's flying on an airplane. But um, it's, it's the fear that I think prevents a lot of people from making that total surrender. You can say in your mind... Lord, I'll give you everything, send me where you want, to do what you want. But in the back of your mind saying, accept, accept, accept. I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that. And that's the hard part. I think that's also where it comes along, like Thad and Andrea said, somebody pushes. Somebody approaches you and says, you need to go with me on this trip. Um, and that's just coming alongside each other and encouraging and pushing each other in the right direction. And the Lord has us together for that purpose as well. We understand the word and the command to go. We understand that we're supposed to surrender everything. But boy, doing it down here, that's the hard part. And as you're in the word and as you hear about the missionaries, you get excited and that stimulates you to say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Let's do something quick before I change my mind. <laughs> So that uh, just a little add-on. Yeah, thank you, Eddie. Uh, so, Andrea, going back, so you've been on to a foreign country, with uh, right? So, kind of in the same theme, uh, kind of speak to: Did you have uh, fear there? Um, and tell us about that trip and how it impacted your life. Okay, um, I think it was 2010 or 11. Steve Saint came to our church, and I had never heard of the man. I didn't know of his dad's story. And so hearing about that, I, I started researching that story that happened back in the 50s, and it was just incredibly touching. Like those men gave their lives just willingly to get the gospel to this people's group. 
And so from Steve Saint coming to our church, they, um, we did a trip to Ecuador and uh, Steve Saint went and I think every bus ride I sat next to him because I just wanted to hear all the stories. And um, I have a fear of flying. I, I do not like it. It's much like the feeling I'm feeling now being <laughs> up here. Um, but, you know, you, somebody, somebody invited me and pushed me to go, encouraged me to go. And that's what it took for me to get on that plane. I just had to give that to the Lord. Um, but growing up, I thought missions was... Americans going to a foreign country, um, building something for somebody, patting them on the head, saying Jesus loves you, and they come home. And Steve Saint was coming up with a missions dilemma. And he said the dilemma is, is we're all going in droves on these short-term trips and putting Band-Aids on things. And then we come home feeling good about ourselves. And I was like, well, that's a different way to look at it. And so he had developed a program where they go to encourage local believers and train them to take care of their own people. And so um, that just opened up a whole different view of missions. And um, so we went, I went on three trips with ITEC, and we went and we served the people, the indigenous people of that area, and they taught them basic um, dental vision medical needs and they trained those people to take care of their own people and it was a ministry to the believers there and the people but when we left we left with them with something that they could continue to do for their own people because we can't be down there every every moment you know on these short-term trips so um that just impacted me about i just viewed missions differently we can, we can give, we can pray, but we can also go and, and just encourage the missionaries that are in these different countries. So, um, but really my main fear was flying. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so then it, it's important, you agree, it's important for um, going on a mission trip and seeing how other people live outside of our country. Um, you agree that that's important yes. uh, to believers? And you in quickly realize you're, we're spoiled here. Like, if anybody just goes on a mission trip to realize how good we have it here. Um, we were out in a village in Bolivia, and, like, we had these disposable toothbrushes where we were given out, and they were so grateful. And I was like, they don't have a Walmart or even, like, a Dollar Tree to just walk. They don't have the necessities that we have. And I went to Ecuador and Bolivia and both places it was, it just impressed me. They don't, you know, I don't even have my phone on me right now, but we usually have our phones on us. We have instant gratification through the smart technology. And these people were so happy and content without all that jumbling up, you know, their lives. And so it was, I enjoyed, I liked the break from the technology. So. So Melinda, um, somewhat along those lines, what what are a few practical steps that believers can take to develop uh, their desire for missions or to invest in the development of their heart for missions? Um, one of the things that we did as a family is that we read mission books together, and um, we have the table outside that says mission books you can check out. And uh, this book here... Uh, there's not a paragraph in this book that doesn't keep you on the edge of your seat. I mean, it is is that that exciting all the way through, and heart rendering and everything else. 
And then there's a Commandos for Christ out there. It, 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 you read that with your family, uh, with your kids, it reads like an Indiana Jones novel or something. I mean, it's so exciting. And so there's a lot of good, good mission books that you can read together as a family. So I say read, and if you don't like to read, you know, watch the movies. There's DVDs out there. So reading good books and um, uh, uh, watching mission um, films, all of those things are, are good. But the main thing is still, you know, being involved with missionaries. You know, if you... If you uh, contact them through social media, if you read their newsletters, if you have them in your home. And um, uh, that was the big thing for us is um, was being able to have the missionaries in our home and them staying with us and getting to know them personally. Can I add something yeah. to that? Um, I think another thing is when our church has missionaries come speak, I remember being a teenager at Springboro Community Church, they'd have these missionaries come speak and and that's really your first introduction to them. Um, they've left their country. They've come here. Um, they're wanting to speak to you about what they're doing. And I'll never forget meeting Jose Luis. Um, he's Bolivian, and he was a believer. And he was standing up there, a Bolivian guy, saying that the Lord had called him to be a foreign missionary to India. That was foreign to me. A foreigner wanting to be a missionary. I, you always think it's, you know, Americans that are the missionaries. But that impressed me so much. And so hearing stories from the missionaries coming to church when they're here visiting, when they're taking time out of their schedule when they're here in the States um, to, to listen to them really will engage you with their stories and who they are. And then that will want to make you learn more about them and be in contact with them and maybe go visit them. And, and our missions conference is, is always the first two weeks in, in March, and, and everything centers around that. I mean, you know, our schedule around the year, we don't plan anything those first two weeks because we want to hear the missionaries. So, Eddie, with, uh, with that, how important, you know, these, uh, these missionaries... Um, being around them as they come visit, they're going to present us with um, maybe some projects, some needs. Um, and so how important is it that we, that we have a steady flow of understanding those needs, knowing those needs, um, whether it's local, um, Tracy Hips, you know, or whether it's international? Uh, what's, how is that, why is that important? Well, I think it's important from the standpoint of that though we are not out in that particular field, whether it's local or foreign, that we can participate still. We know their needs and we're instructed to pray. Paul asked for prayer on his trips. And I think that that's important probably more for us than for the missionary to keep God's purposes in our mind and praying that his purposes and plans will be accomplished through the missionaries that are out there wherever they are. So if we don't know about it, you know, if it's not in front of our face, we tend to forget. So, you know, if you get newsletters from the missionaries or we have one come and speak and they tell you about what's going on and what their problems are, well, take those to heart and Bring them before the Lord and ask him to supply what their needs are. To Ask him to 
provide them with bold mouth and the proper words to speak. If we don't know about our missionaries, again, we tend to forget. Um, the Lord wants us knowing about them, praying for them, praying for the work that's going on and praising him for the results. When, when one comes to know the Lord, you know, heaven rejoices, shouldn't we? And so when we hear from them about how they were successful in something, and that's not always the case, but it's not discouraging because we know that the Lord is working through whatever they're doing. He's got his own purposes and plans, but he wants us involved as well. Again, whether it's going out and uh, encouraging the missionaries or letting them come here and encourage us to pray for them and to think about what the Lord would have us to do uh, as committed believers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so sad with that, um, when, when I think about um, what trends there might be um, in, in churches across our nation, um, uh, across the generations in our nation. Um, you don't consider yourself old, but you have been in church for over 45 years. So in that, in that time, um, you know, what trends, what concerns do you have with the trends that you see um, across generations and across uh, involvement? Well, I'll probably mention this in the second hour too, maybe go a little bit deeper, but I think that... Um, Everything starts at home. I'm just a big believer that that's true. Um, I'm going to testify a little bit to that in the second hour with my mom and dad. Because they were really my introduction to missions. So, you know, we put it on the church to introduce our family to missions. But it's really the family, right? The parents that need to introduce their kids to missions. So... I would, my greatest concern is that that would happen. Um, that the trend would be that the church, it wouldn't just be, well, Grace Community Church embraces missions. Okay, that's great. But that families within Grace Community Church, the whole family embraces missions. From daddy to mama to kids. And just like Melinda was saying in reference to those books, you can't start reading to your children early enough. I found this out through an, really another illustration out to a completely different area, and that's praying with my boys. You know, I just did that. I, if I didn't, if there was something I wasn't going to miss, it was going to be that. I'm praying with my boys before they go to bed, period. Obviously, there were times I couldn't do that but because I was gone. But it has been amazing to me. They're 28 and 25 and 21, and they still want Dad praying for them. Well, did that just happen? Well, no. It's, it was developed at a young age, and when my 21-year-old is at home, he still wants me to pray with him. So... I just, I'm a firm believer that it all happens within that home. And um, you can't make your kids love it, but they need to see that you do, right? And um, so, yeah, but the trend that concerns me the most is that 
the family needs to be involved in all of it, right? So that's just, and families are so fractured these days that that is very, very difficult. And I'm a preacher, so I can keep going, but I'll stop. (laughs) Melinda. Um, One of the uh, trends that we've seen in missions is that used to be churches supported missionaries. And uh, for the most part, churches do not support missionaries anymore. Uh, and they have to uh, rely on individuals. And uh, most missionaries have most of their support now. The younger generation of missionaries that are coming up, most of their support comes from individuals. And uh, so that is a concerning trend that um, um, a mission, uh, like in Georgia where um, Naomi and Luke are, they said that uh, what you would consider a mission-minded church there would have a missions conference and would give a donation to missions. But they don't regularly support missionaries. They don't think family. They don't have them there regularly or support them monthly. And so that's a trend that we see. And that gives that really obligates us even more because these this younger generation that's coming up that needs support, um, um, th- they have to have a lot of support. You know, it costs a lot to live. So, I mean, they really need that obligation from us to be supportive of them financially and prayerfully and as family. And that's just one of the trends that we've seen. So related to that, Andrea, uh, being our children's uh, ministry director, uh, how important in in your perspective is it for families to expose children uh, to missions, uh, to kind of that foundation that Thad and Melinda just kind of spoke to, uh, to children? Do you know, do you see... um, do you see that being important in children's lives? Yes, it's very important. And and here we always get the kids involved in a, our missions conference. In Awana, we do the shoebox packing for the kids to kind of help them see that it's not all about them. It's about others. And, you know, we're all intrinsically selfish individuals. So I think the earlier you can teach children that it's not just about them, it's about others, um, is important. And... You know, I'm not saying drag your five-year-old across the world to a foreign field, but, you know, there are, um, I know some families in our church and some people I know, they take their kids and they do a food line at, you know, um, Jimmy Hale Mission or, um, you know, we have local missionaries that that need help. Um, There's backyard Bible clubs. There's lots of ways to get your children involved learning about missions without dragging them across the world. And, you know, when they get old enough, it is good to take them just to see how others live. But, I mean, you can go downtown Birmingham and see how other people live. So, Yeah, definitely. So, Eddie, uh, transferring to you with, with that same subject, if, um, if we have folks here, uh, no doubt there are, who have uh, never really been able to go on a mission trip, maybe, uh, maybe some never will, um, how can they do more? How can they be involved? Um, and I really, really, the, I think the key question there is how can somebody be missional even without going, physically going? Well, again, participating uh, with the missionaries through uh, praying for the needs by knowing what's going on in their lives is certainly a, a first big step. Um, and it's, it's not always easy because you have to remember to do it. But that's the commitment part. Um, 
in some ways, though, that is the easiest way to be involved with missions. Uh, certainly understand that uh, we as a church support a number of missionaries, quite a few. And that support is in prayer, but it's also financial. And uh, Lord's blessed us with people who are quite willing and happy to give to missions um, to support those that we have committed to. But even above that, the Lord blesses us with sometimes more money than we need for those base commitments. And, you know, we may have a few thousand dollars extra at times, but rarely does it stay in the coffers very long. The Lord lets us know about special needs that have happened or occurred in the lives of our missionaries. And we're able very frequently to supply that need or a good portion of it. And we're very thankful for that to the Lord to let us participate in that way. You can also participate without going out on a missions trip by, again, just being aware of the missionaries and knowing what's going on in their lives, but also joining with um, those that are helping to manage the funds and to decide what to, how to set up and what to do in the conferences. You could join the missions committee, and we meet once every month or so uh, and discuss uh, what the Lord's brought in, what the needs are, and what ideas uh, have been laid on people's hearts to do missions-wise. And our goal is not only to support our missionaries, but to support missions in this body. Um, we know that it's scriptural that the Lord wants us to be in missions. Um, and that's going to preach on that later today, I guess. But we know it already. We just need to participate in ways that the Lord leads us uh, to the degree of faith we have to step out and do something crazy, like go on a trip, or even if you feel like the Lord wants you to be a longer-term missionary, to step out is tough. But yeah, we can participate in many ways other than going to a foreign country. Um, I don't know if there's any others, but that's the big part. Praying, uh, giving towards those needs that uh, the Lord has laid on the hearts of the committee. And whether you give through the church or give individually, as was mentioned, I don't really care. But to know that you're responding to what the Lord would have you to do in missions is a big thing. Um, if it's scriptural and if the Lord is pressing on your heart about it, don't resist. Step in. Take that step of faith and commit yourself to something in missions. Uh, one of the things that uh, we've noticed in the uh, younger generation is they don't like long-term commitments. And a lot of us have been on the missions committee for years and years and years, and we'll never leave the, commissioner, the, the missions committee till we die. But um, the uh, younger generation, you know, you might be afraid to join the missions committee because that's how it's run with these old people that stay on it forever. But um, it would be it would be great if if you were if you were thinking you might like to be on the commissions committee and just say, you know, I'd like to commit for a year, and uh, and that you know there we've had a lot of young people that have come and not stayed on the committee but they were there and they got involved they learned about the missionaries and it made a difference in their lives in staying more missional because they had spent time of course we would love a lifelong 
commitment to the missions committee, that'd be great. But you don't have to make a lifelong commitment to the missions committee to, to be a part of it and to learn about it. And so, you know, I would encourage you, if you're ever intrigued by that, don't feel like, oh, I can't do that because they're going to expect me there for the rest of my life. Just say, I'd like to come for six months or I'd like to come for a year and, uh, and, and see what you learn about the missionaries. That's really why I joined. David was on the committee and, uh, I just joined the committee because uh, it was before the days of social media, and I wanted to make sure I saw all the mission letters. I wanted to see what the letters were. I wanted to hear reports because some of us corresponded with different missionaries, and so we were to hear more reports. I just wanted to be more um, uh, in tune with the missionaries, so that's why I joined the missions committee. And for me, it's been long-term, but, but hey, for six months or a year, we'd welcome you. I'd add one more thing to the idea of being missional. Um, we receive newsletters more often than not now through email, and that's wonderful. Um, and if you would like to hear from the missionaries, it's very simple. Uh, we won't require you to sign up for each one you'd like to hear from. If you will give us your email, every month my wife sends out an email, or more than once, whenever she receives a newsletter from a missionary, it goes out to everybody on our mailing list. And it's really encouraging. It's very easy. It's not like you have to go through the mail and find something you're interested in. It pops up in your email and spend five minutes just reading through it. Uh, it's encouraging to see what the Lord's doing. It's very simple to find out about that. Yes, this is, it's like a five-minute commitment, guys, to read a, a mission letter. Yeah, and it gets you involved in, in their lives. Uh, that's where the relationship begins to build. Um, we, we've got a few minutes, and uh, I want to spend uh, a couple of minutes if there's any questions. But before I do that, I, wanna, I want to know if there's anything. Um, so you've hated flying over to uh, overseas to... I hate flying anywhere. Well, anywhere, anywhere. <laughs> Um, but what I want to know is, is what embarrassment um, thing has happened while you've been on a, a mission trip. Um, have you experienced anything embarrassing? Have you experienced anything funny? I want to know. Yeah, so um, I don't remember the year, but we were in Belize. And this was probably my third or fourth time to go to Belize. And we were staying uh, in Belmont, down from Kent and Marion, where they live. And we were staying in a some kind of a education building or something, and they had beds set up. And I was on the top bunk. And there was a brother of mine that was on the bottom bunk. And I fell through that <laughs> top bunk. Yeah, I, I, had, I have a hard time getting comfortable at night, so I, if I had my druthers, I'd rather sleep on my back, but I can't do that. So I'm tur- tossing and turning, and David Nichols is under me. <laughs> and the next thing I know, I'm next to David Nichols. <laughs> and uh, so as he says, I mean, he's a pretty straight shooter. He's like, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and I'm like, you're right, it's not going to work. So 
the the great part how the Lord worked out all that all that out, I got to go stay with Kent and Marion in their house, right? So, um, but yeah, that was probably one of the funniest moments, for sure, That's and awesome. embarrassing. Yeah. So not only will you you will be um, obeying obedience is big in missions and our ministry and the responsibility we have, but you'll have fun. These, Absolutely, you know it's. Yeah, I mean, I, I I've worked for Rachel that week. Um, she and she, she wasn't here, so David was in charge of the construction, and Rachel was in charge of the painting, and they wanted me away from the tools, so they put a paintbrush in my hand, and so yeah, I mean, but I think you know, as limited as I am when it comes to that kind of stuff, like they do use saws and all that stuff. God's got. For you exactly what he wants. Does that make sense? So not everybody's going to listen. You don't want me with a saw. I'm not going to do that. Right. I can hurt you pretty bad. Uh, In fact, David, Nancy Nichols, I wanted to use the saw. And uh, I said, hey, David, can I make a cut? And he's like, "Uh." I said, come on, just one cut. Well, he let me do it. I was so excited. But um, it just like that whole scene. God has you and me in just the right spots. And so, as Melinda, just to piggyback off what Melinda was saying about encouraging the missionaries, you know, um, when we went to Thailand a few years ago, you know, my, my major um, goal was to encourage Brian Furpo. Well, it was just the opposite. I mean, he encouraged me. But I know I encouraged him, but I, I went with that intent. And so I would just um, say that Man, I mean, whatever fears you have, Lord will take care of them. Get out there and do something, local or foreign. It takes the whole body, and I'll jump in and encourage uh, all of us here. Uh, We each have a special gift. The Lord has given us uh, gifts and talents um, that work so cohesive with the person next to us. It's just incredible if you just allow yourself to um, just kind of flow, <clears throat> excuse me, flow um, with the path that God has. Uh, it, it's cool to watch. It really is. Um, so uh, before I close, is there any questions uh, from anyone for uh, these panelists, I'll call them? Anybody have any questions? Yeah, Steve. Yeah, I'll I'll repeat that. So the question is, is it better for a missions, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but is it better for a missions committee uh, to disperse funding to missionaries or for individuals as an individual support missionaries? Is that okay? Um, We've done both. We have missionaries that we support uh, personally uh, that we met through other means and some of them uh, that we've known through the church but uh, the missions committee is a very uh, committed group of people that uh, make it their business to stay on top of what's happening in that missionary's life and um, like I said think family they're thinking family and when a missionary has an emergency they send, you know, send a plea to us. We're going to get funds to them as soon as we can if we have them. 
you know, I, I really do believe that the commission, the missions committee is a good way um, in your church, if you have a committed church like ours, uh, to fund your missions giving. But that doesn't rule out if, they, if you meet a missionary that you feel a, a really special close tie to, to, um, to give to them, you know, in addition to what you're giving to the missions committee, I think that's great. But I, I think it should be an addition because I really do think that commission, that missions committee, they're staying on top of the needs and they know them quicker than, um, of course, social media now, they can get their uh, message out there pretty quickly. But sometimes it's in a sensitive field or a sensitive area that they can't share the social media, but they'll share it with their, uh, their uh, church that, has been committed to them. So the missions committee gets that, that uh, message quickly and can act on it uh, fairly quickly. And now because we have social media, we can communicate with each other. You know, uh, we have a group me thing that the missions committee, we're always talking together and uh, talking about each other's needs and, and um, other missionaries needs. And so I think a missions committee is the first and foremost, most important, but I think uh, supporting missionaries individually is a good idea because especially when you involve your children, the one thing that I wanted to say uh, before I finished was the biggest privilege in my life with missionaries has been to see how it has affected my children. Missions has affected my children. They have loved getting to know missionaries. And you would you would think that, you know, if they had to give up their room, because we, we didn't till more recently, we didn't have a guest room because we had five kids. We didn't have a guest room. So we had to, you know, our kids would have to give up one of the rooms. They didn't care. They loved it. They loved having missionaries in the home and uh, seeing how it uh, excited my kids and how they are uh, also committed to missions. That's been the big, biggest privilege of having missionaries in the home for me. And, and you don't have to be. Uh, everybody's different. My mother was the type that always hosted a meal, and my mother has had missionaries in her home, but she always does her best. She goes out and buys new towels before they come. (laughs) You know, she just, I mean, she's always, you know, she always cooks the very best meals, and she pampers them, and that's very nice, and they enjoy it. But I just open my doors, and whatever we're having for supper, they share it. And if we're going out, they jump in the car with us. You know, it just doesn't matter. I just open my doors, and they're there. And so it doesn't matter what kind of hostess you are. Um, you know, you are always blessed when you have the, the missionaries in your home. So I would just encourage you to do that. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, Eddie. If I could piggyback real quick. Um, having the missions commission, as Melinda said, uh, allows us to meet uh, unusual circumstance needs better, I think, than individuals. I might not be able to supply $5,000 for some special need, but the committee usually can do that. So that's one advantage. I also think the personal donation is also much better for developing close relationships with. Um, you tend to relate with them more. But also the committee uh, does a very good job, I think, of vetting those who would like our support. Uh, We go through a pretty stringent process about understanding who they are and what they want to do and where their thoughts and desires are based, and I think that's important at times. Anyway, one... Yeah.
Yeah. George, question? So the question, real quick, is uh, how many missionaries do we support, and what is the commitment uh, of that? What does that look like? The last count that I had was 37, but it may have changed since then. We've added one or two more because of the Lord's provided the funding for it. And the dollar amount, Gleneth, is $10,850 per month. And in addition to that, the Lord provides on top of to supply special needs or to let us know it's time to support another. Add one more. Yeah, it's all designated. We don't pull any money from general giving. That's something that's also different about this church. When, when you donate money to the church, if you want it to go to missions, you have to designate to missions. All right. So we'll wrap this up. Bob has. All right, Bob, go ahead. One last question. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Bob. I've, my family and I have had the privilege uh, to host missionaries. Um, and he, uh, Peter Basky, or Bosk, he made me so nervous. It's the first wreck I've had in 18 years. I backed into my wife's vehicle when he got in the car with me. Uh, so I don't know if that has anything to, to do with that or not. But I would encourage that as well. So thank you for bringing that up, Bob. Have missionaries in your home. Host them. Uh, eat, share the table with them. Um, it's just, it's, it's awesome. Uh, so we'll close. Let me close, um, and we'll come back together in uh, 20 minutes or so. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time you've given us, and we just pray that uh, you uh, nudge our hearts um, to do uh, the ministries that you have for us, uh, to be involved in missions um, in the capacity that you um, slate for us within that. I uh, just pray that you um, uh, nudge us to uh, find the needs, uh, Lord, and to be involved and, and not let fear uh, keep us uh, from, uh, from having the joy uh, that comes from that. I uh, just pray that you help us to recognize the gifts and talents that you give us um, for uh, impacting your kingdom. And just pray that uh, all we do and say today is pleasing to you. And I just pray that you affect hearts um, in the upcoming service. In Jesus' name, amen.